I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Welcome once again to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, and we still have our team here from DASA, so we're going to continue our discussion on um, some of the effects of uh, violence on women, well, mostly women. We've sort of been talking about women um, and the effects that physical and mental abuse have on their bodies going forward. Um, We talked quite a bit about physical effects, um, and now we're going to turn to the mental effects that abuse can have. I mean, I know there's probably a really big list, but how are we going to focus on some of these mental conditions and things that can happen due to abuse? Okay. Well, I think in my mind, right off the bat, there's like the top five that I see most in survivors. So we see like a response to abuse in like an inflation in like depression, like they experience more depression maybe. Um, Anxiety is huge. Um, What we would categorize as post-traumatic stress disorder. So they've seen or experienced a traumatic event and therefore, you know, their mental health has been affected by that. Um, Another huge one is suicidal thoughts and suicidal actions. So a desire to end their life. Um, because of the world around them and that hopelessness, right? We're here to create hope and healing because there's so much hopelessness when you're in that situation. And Um, even as you come out of that situation and you become a survivor, realizing that this is still there, those feelings are still there and and need to be dealt with. Yeah, and then I think number five is self-esteem. So I think we see a ton of low self-esteem and self-worth, maybe I would trump jump in there anxiety depression post-traumatic stress and suicidal thoughts and suicidal actions are oh. the big ones well one thing i was thinking this is deborah <laughs> one thing i was thinking is that you were saying once they're out of it it continues mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's once they're out of it that it manifests mm-hmm. because when you're in the abusive relationship you're in survival mode mm-hmm. at all times and so you don't really even have chance to think about everything that you're experiencing and everything that you're going through is because you're just starting trying to survive in that and that's why it's called post-traumatic stress disorder it's after you're out of the situation then your mind your body starts to process and deal with what it is that you've um, experienced and people should realize that is definitely a normal part of beginning to heal mm-hmm. and the same if you this is Ellen if you've met someone who's always operating out of crisis um, everything is a crisis because they've never learned how to operate out of something else. So 
everything that goes on in their life is a crisis for them. And that's how they treat it. So even if it's something calm and most people would just take in stride? Or, yes, it could be very minimal to you, but for them, this is a crisis. And when we've lived in chaos for so long, even when things are calm, we will create chaos Mm -hmm. around us because that's our norm. And so you'll see children even who, when they're taking taken out of their um, abusive situation or out of an abusive home, Mm -hmm. they will create chaos in their foster homes because they're um, trying to create the situation that they're used to. That they know how to cope. Right, right. That makes them feel like they've always felt. Exactly, exactly. And that seems strange. Yeah. You know, but it makes sense. You know, but this is how my mind is used to operating. And so I need to get back to what's comfortable for me. And um, I don't really care if it's comfortable for you, Mm -hmm. but I need to be comfortable in the surrounding that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And chaos is my normal. Mm -hmm. And chaos is safe. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because then the chaos is going to prevent maybe future abuse or more abuse from what you're dealing with? Well, if your abuse is normal, it's it may even um, create the abuse that you're used to. Like, why are you treating me nicely? You must want something for me. When is um, when is it going to be time for me to pay up for what you're doing for me? And so I'm going to make you abuse me wow. because I correlate abuse with care and love mm-hmm. instead of what's healthy. And so that risky behavior Mm. that we see in teens and adolescents, it's usually coming from um, a traumatic background. They're not just bad kids. They're not just teens being um, teens. It's um, risky behavior that has been set into motion from um, their past traumatic experiences. And I think, um, this is Rose here, I think that Two, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They'll say, you know, behave in a certain manner that'll make you respond in a certain manner. So then they say, see, I knew you were going to be you were going to be just like them or mm-hmm. just like him or just like her. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they'll set themselves up in those situations. A lot of times they don't have coping skills, so they'll use coping mechanisms like um, illicit sex or uh, drug abuse, alcoholism, um, gambling addictions, all types of addictions as forms of um, ways to cope with the trauma. We call those oftentimes coping abuses. There's our active abuses, what people do to us, our coping abuses, how we abuse ourselves to deal with the active abuse that's happening in our lives. Seeing an increase in sleeping and eating disorders along among adolescents who are just trying to feel something or not feel something um, because of the trauma that they've experienced. Sometimes you hear people say, well, you know, they've had substance abuse issues or whatever, so that's why all these other things happen to them. Mm-hmm. But really, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, what's mm-hmm. the story behind it? Mm-hmm. What's yeah. Where right. did that come from? Mm-hmm. Usually, a, a desire to use a substance is is replacing a behavior that was already there so what's it trying to do because those substances they all they all connect in our brain on a chemical level to a part of our brain 
mm-hmm. well that part of our brain was there we were we were born with that and so that chemical is is, is putting in like a false thing well why are we seeking that what's what's the behavior behind that and that's what the substance what we've seen locally is this our local substance use movement is to end that stigma of just stop using substances and to go to the other side and say why did you start using substances mm-hmm. and how can you begin to cope without the substance because mm-hmm. no one's going to stop right using whatever whatever their um Coping, coping abuse. coping abuses. No one's going to stop that unless they're given a coping skill. Sure, exactly. And so we have to give a coping skill that then says, "Oh, that's a lot easier to use than whatever the other behavior was, even eliciting sex." You know, this is all. Oh, this is easier to maintain. It's easier to get. Whatever that skill is, I like it more. You know, whatever it is, and then we change that behavior. But that's from us, from the outside, looking at it and saying your behavior isn't healthy but from me from me on the inside and this is all i've ever known and this is that coping abuse that i've used for 20 years how do i know it's not right and if you're the first person to ever say in a loving compassionate empathetic way that this behavior you're doing is hurting yourself what's my response yeah and then what can i do instead Mm mm-hmm I think we created a society of drug-dependent individuals. I remember when I was young is when, and that was some years ago, that's when they started medicating children for Mm -hmm. ADD and ADHD. And so it was easier to medicate someone for behaviors that we're seeing than to teach them the skills that they need in order to deal with this. And so we have a child from age five because teachers used to diagnose ADD and ADHD. So a teacher could say this child needs to be on medication and this child is put on medication from let's say age five and then at age 18 um, you can choose whether or not you want to do this at all. But now their body, their mind is telling them that they need this drug. And so what are they going to do? They're going to self-medicate. And now these young adults are becoming parents and they've not learned the skills that they need to cope and to deal and they're passing this along to their children mm-hmm. and parents who try to fix everything well mm-hmm. the, which is the, uh, well maybe it's no it's the opposite of living in that whole trauma filled thing but mm-hmm. not letting your children learn their own coping mechanisms mm-hmm. exactly well, and what happens when i'm the kid of debbie's example what happens when i'm the kid right. And I've just experienced abuse from maybe a dating relationship. And all I've seen is my parents who grew up, I know, using medication for what they needed. But then when they stopped doing that because they didn't like it and they went to another substance. Well, what's my coping skill going to be then if, if this is what I've, this is how I've seen my parents cope? Sure. Right. Because we are what our environment is, right? I mean, we're living products of the homes that we grew up in, the the communities we grew up in, the neighborhoods we grew up in. And our influences. Mm -hmm. And now, more and more, um, I won't get on the whole, um, well, I'll bypass that. um, Social media. Yeah. (laughs) But but the things that are influencing Mm -hmm. our children and telling Mm -hmm. them what is okay 
and um and how they should cope we used to be able to be um aware and know that we are the greatest influence in our children's lives because we're the ones that were speaking the most into their lives but now they have um smartphones and things and they are constantly being influenced by social media and media influencers that may not have the same um, values that we want so we're no longer the only Mm -hmm. and greatest influence in our children's lives and so um, sometimes we need to take a break and really have these conversations with not sometimes we do need to take a break have this conversation teach the skills that we've learned and if we have not learned those skills seek out ways to um, gain those skills so that we can teach our children because mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we do you know that i see in our shelter all the time with our child advocate and our advocates that are in the shelter they're not there just helping mom and they're not there just helping the children they're helping that family unit that is in shelter? How do I help mom cope with what she has going on? How do I help daughter and son and every child in the family cope with what individually is going on in their lives and as a unit come together and inspire that moment of like, hey, it seems like you're experiencing anxiety right now. Let's practice the da da la da la skill that we learned. Right. And that changes a whole culture. That's well, a sure. whole conversation. And being able to put a name to what they're feeling, especially mm-hmm. if they're younger, and realize that, okay, this is what it is. We can mm-hmm. treat or I can figure out coping skills that are going to help me mm-hmm. get beyond what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Emotional intelligence, being mm-hmm. able to recognize what you're feeling and where that feeling may have come from and how to then deal with the feeling that you're feeling. And so we have our core emotions. Please watch the movie Inside Out. We have our oh, core yeah. emotions. I love that movie. <laughs> Me too. That, um, that we're dealing with. But then there's emotions that branch out from there, from sadness um, comes other emotions mm-hmm. from fear comes terror and and anxiety and all these different things being able to be aware of what we're feeling and know that um, because you're having a mental health crisis that that's not the end of it that's not the end of your story mental health crisis can be situational but mm-hmm. sometimes a person can be labeled for their lifetime mm-hmm. for something that's happening situationally i've been through a rough situation and that's why i feel that way that doesn't mean that i'm going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life I'm dealing with this now. I'm going to learn the skills that I need to deal with this now, and I will be able to move forward and have a full, fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. I read somewhere recently in a research article about mental health in the United States that 90% of mental health, like, diagnosis, like, I have anxiety and I have depression and I have, like, all those things, is 90% of it is situational. Mm -hmm. And then only 10% of it is chronic. Mm -hmm. But how much of it do I take and tell myself that it's chronic, right? I have anxiety now because of this moment in my life. So, I, (laughs) this is Ellen. I feel like um, feeling is good, it's healthy. It's not a mental health issue to feel angry or sad or upset or to have a really bad day where you feel like things are falling apart because Mm -hmm. we have those days. So I don't want 
the things that happen to us during the day or throughout our life for everything to be a mental health crisis or issue it is okay to feel what you're feeling without it consuming your life Mm -hmm. and to learn the skills to cope with whatever it is you're feeling right Mm -hmm. correct sure and to Deb's point about being a medicated society Mm -hmm. I think um you're you're right on the money with that Ellen because we don't want to feel sad Mm -hmm. we don't want to feel angry and we because we live in a in a society now that tells us oh you must have a mental health issue Mm -hmm. um, because you you, you're showing signs of anger or you're showing signs of anxiety well we all have anxiety I have anxiety when my alarm clock goes off in the morning (laughs) you know so you know I to Deb's point with with um, being medicated we want to not feel those things Mm -hmm. so we run out and we get a diagnosis that we have chronic anxiety or Mm -hmm. we have chronic depression or um, and we don't take into account that those things are situational Mm -hmm. and it may be situational for a period of time it might not just be for the day you might have a a two-week period of time where you're feeling anxious or you're feeling Mm -hmm. depressed that doesn't mean you have clinical depression or a mental health disorder and then in regards to domestic violence like that is something to be angry about Mm -hmm. so if you feel I feel like I you know say I feel like I've been angry for you know the past three years of my life well what happened the past three you know while I was dealing with domestic violence and I was getting out of this and well no one helped you deal with your Mm -hmm. anger toward your domestic violence so you have an anger problem no one ever taught you healthy coping skills to deal with your anger you don't need more medication you just need someone to come alongside you I think anger is a feeling that we have for a reason and what I say is anger is a great place to um, visit because it can um, spur you to change, but you can't live there. Mm-hmm. It's toxic when we live in anger and resentment and fear. But all of those um, emotions and feelings are there for a reason. They're mm-hmm. there to protect us. They're there to help us get to where we need to be. They're just not places where we can live. Mm-hmm. If we think of biologically, Emotions are chemical responses in the brain. Every emotion you experience is for a living survival purpose. Mm-hmm. It's never bad. Our response to emotions are bad. You know, what we do with too much anything. What we do with too much love, we stalk somebody. What we do with too much anger, <laughs> I mean, but really. But you well, think we about don't it, all stalk somebody. I right? mean, that's what we're trying to tell our folks. Right. That really, that's, but, you know, when yeah, you get on Instagram and you go, I, what do the kids say? Oh, that's a horrible saying. You know, oh, I, I, I went deep and I accidentally liked something from five years ago. You know, when it's like, oh, do I unlike it? Because now you've gotten a notification about it. You know, I went deep. You know, and so it's the deep like or something like that is I think what they call it. And so it's it's funny, but it's it's that too much love does that right, or too much or too much love. You know that I sit next to the cutie, you know, on the bus every day, and they're like, dude, get away. But you know, it's those things. Sure. Well, too much happiness, mm-hmm. I then refuse to feel all the other emotions. Too much anger, you know, that maybe it turns in. There's too much of everything, and we shouldn't live. Yeah. You have to have a balance. But have a balance and have the moment because they're all there for a reason. They're all good. I hate when people say, oh, I should never feel angry. No, feel angry. It's what you do with your anger that becomes the problem. Yes. Be angry enough to change. Yes. Right. Right. Use it as your motivator. That's right. And that's going to lead you to be able to take care of all the rest 
of the emotions and Mm -hmm. mental health issues that you're dealing with. And if you need medication, I am not anti-medication. If you need medication to help you deal with the situation, please do. Please don't feel like we're saying no one should ever be on medication. Please, please take your medication. That is not (laughs) what I'm saying because Mm -hmm. that can be a tool to help you get through what you've gone through. Mm -hmm. And I am an advocate for that. I'm also an advocate for learning um, coping skills and things that you need to go along with that. Mm -hmm. And to get you to the the place that you're aiming for after you've made that first courageous step to get away from the abuse. Get to the healing point. The healing mm-hmm. and the hope, exactly. And we definitely don't want to minimize any type of mental health um, crisis or situation. If you find yourself in that situation or if you feel like you're experiencing a mental health crisis, and you need to reach out to your, your primary care physician or call 911 if, if need be. And it ranges in severity. Um, you know, the story that just came out of the woman who asked for help and mm-hmm. and didn't receive it. And she ended up taking her hurt and pain out on her children. Um, and they are now deceased. But she did say, I can't do this. Someone help me. And they said, you don't have a choice. You have to. Um, we need to listen. We, we, mm-hmm. need, we do. We need to listen. We and need, we're here to help. We, is here. we need to not ignore those. Now that was pretty blunt, but there are those, um, you know, that people you can tell that will come to you and just say, I'm not, I, I don't know how I'm doing. You know, that should be right there, a, a sign that you need to find, help them find out how they're doing and explore what's going on with them. Yeah. All right. This was wonderful information again. Thank you, team. You are tremendous. Um, you can get in touch with our team at one 800 828 2023 and Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800 828 2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.